Cool. All right. I think we're recording. Um, hey, Austin. Pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, Austin and I go way back. Uh, well, maybe not way back, but uh, we've been working together for probably the last six, seven months, but it feels like we go way back. Uh, we sort of instantly connected. We have similar mindset on how uh, to sort of build businesses and grow businesses. Um, and we've been buddies ever since we met. Uh, I did a poor job sort of teeing up what you do, but Austin, I'd love uh, for you to sort of give the people uh, your quick intro. <laughs> no, I love it. Thanks for having me on, Keevan. Yeah, it's been super fun to get to know you. I, I think the way that we initially met was we hosted the event uh, startup September last September, like yep. kind of right in the middle of COVID. We were trying to figure out how to do virtual events for uh, one of my businesses, which is uh, Green Spaces Coworking. So, um, yeah, it's been awesome to get to know you since then. And yeah, like you said, I think we've hit it off and we've just been able to like riff on business ideas and, and talk through even more like higher level strategy stuff as it relates to what we're both building. And so, you know, it's, it's always fun to have people like you in, in my circle that we can just like, you know, bounce ideas back and forth and, and talk strategy. So it's been awesome, yeah. but yeah, a little bit about, about me. Um, I do have a couple businesses right now. Um, I have Green Spaces Coworking, like I mentioned, and I also have the Perk Coffee Company um, with my business partner, Jason. Uh, Jason runs our Winter Park operation, so we have a coffee business housed in Winter Park. We also have uh, a co-working space in Winter Park to kind of like capture that uh, the remote worker who wants to live in the mountains. Yep. Uh, and then we also have um, a co-working space in Denver as well. And it's located in the Rhino district. Um, we bought this in 2018 and it's been a super fun ride uh, up to this point. And yeah, um, I mean, we, we got into this entrepreneurial journey about three years ago. I was working remotely at HP and partnered up with Jason. We built a co-working space in Winter Park, bought this space down here. Ran it for a couple of years. It was running super smoothly and then COVID happened. So right. um, you kind of know all about that story, but yeah, we're in the brick and mortar business. And I think pretty much every brick and mortar business has seen some sort of decline here. And ultimately, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So like uh, uh, the other thing I think is super relevant that I want to make sure makes it way, its way into this story is uh, what are you currently working on um, with the entrepreneur HQ? I guess the HQ. Uh, uh, I think that's super relevant to this conversation too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think like just to kind of paint the picture there, we were, we were hit with COVID obviously. Um, we lost a ton of revenue pretty much overnight whenever it happened. And Jason and I kind of got to the point after like the two week depression set in yeah. um, where we were just like, well, we have two options right now. We can either throw in the towel and give up or we can get creative and make this thing work. And I've said this thing a million times throughout this deal, but we made that decision together that we were going to get creative and make it work. Um, however that looked. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we just held on basically with the co-working business and uh, we ended up investing in the coffee roaster to pull the coffee business kind of out. Yep. And then with co-working, it was like, well, how do you get creative with a brick and mortar business where you're selling, you know, shared office memberships in a time where people are coming into the office. So we basically took what... So like when people buy a co-working membership, they're buying a desk, but they're also buying into a network and a community. Yep. Like they, they want connections. And so we took that concept and then just replicated it in an online format. And that's kind of how we've spun up the HQ. And essentially what the HQ is, is just an online community of, of entrepreneurs who basically we, we get together. We do these like two week sprints together as a community and we set a goal, we publicly state our goal to the community, and then we hold each other accountable to that. And nice. yeah. Yeah, That's I've been a at. part of a few of the events and programming uh, with the HQ, and it is really great. It's a, it's a wonderful way to sort of get connected with uh, a bunch of other entrepreneurs who are working on similar things. Um, and I would say it's, it's at least the people that were in the first batch were a lot of makers and doers for me, it's 
just super important to have access to those people and just get motivated by them. Cause I would say like in my close circle of friends, not many people are on this like entrepreneurial journey. Um, and especially with COVID and like for me, I work from home anyway, but uh, I don't ever feel like I have an outlet to just like riff with people and having that is super cool. So I think a co-working space makes a ton of sense for that reason, but then sort of like B online communities are super hot right now anyway. Um, so I don't know. It, it, uh, it definitely scratched an itch for me. So I think it's super cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one big opportunity right now. We're seeing it play out. I mean, you and I are both pretty active on Twitter. I haven't been the last couple of weeks, just kind of been focused on green spaces stuff, but yeah, I guess since the beginning of this year, we've, we've been super interested in this concept that a lot of makers, doers, entrepreneurs are hanging out on Twitter. It's kind yep. of like everybody else is getting rid of, you know, the Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everybody's everybody who's like doing interesting stuff seems to be on Twitter. Um, and we're also seeing these like cohort based communities. And so I think, I think that's like the first opportunity and kind of where I s saw, uh, an opportunity to like quasi pivot our co-working offering in the middle right. of COVID. Um, just because like we're seeing these cohort based communities pop up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that any paid community right now is a huge opportunity if you can find the right group of people and like any business is hard. And I say this pretty frequently that like whenever I call something easy, it's just, you know, relative. Um, but paid communities I think are one of the easier businesses that are lucrative and you know, you can have a small team uh, managing it, which I think is super cool. Uh, so I, I am excited to see what comes of it. Uh, Cause I think it's a cool path that, you know, I would love to take someday, uh, but you're already in it. So that, that would be fun to, to watch from you. Um, this is an interesting segue. Uh, have you heard about BitClout? No, what is it? So I heard about it from somebody on Twitter and then I listened to a podcast about it. It's pretty interesting. I think today, so today is Tuesday, March 31st, or no, it's Wednesday, March 31st days are all messed up. I, th I think it's today that they open it up publicly because it was all private like access for a while. But anyway, here's the, the gist of it. And I might butcher it because I'm a pretty big noob in the space. Basically, it's like a stock market for people, uh, but it's all based around crypto. So what they did was they took the top 15,000 creators on Twitter. So whoever had the biggest following and automatically made them a BitClout account. And by having a BitClout account, you now have a coin associated with your person, right? So I'm on BitClout um, and I can buy my own coin. So like call it like Kiev coin, right? Um, that's not actually the name of it, but, but uh, that's the idea. So now as I continue to progress as a person and just build more following, um, my coin goes up in value or goes down in value if I misstep or like lose all clout, right? Or I'm not as famous. Um, Super interesting concept. There's a few things about it that I don't love, um, but you should definitely check it out uh, as there's a ton of hype around it, right? It's like NFTs. Like I know NFTs are still super hyped, but it feels like it's riding the heels of that uh, and people are super interested in it. So um, I guess a few other mechanics of how my understanding of how this works is uh, as the creator, you get 10% of whatever your market cap is, or maybe it's, it's however many, uh, I think it's your market cap, um, on your coin. So if you have a market cap of a hundred thousand, you get 10 K of that. Uh, and then the other just stays in like circulation. Right. And I think you can set your amount on how much you take. Uh, but one of the critical flaws right now is you can't pull money out. <laughs> you can only put money on the platform. You, they don't, let you pull it out yet but the creators have said that like it's a coming soon feature but that's pretty critical right um <laughs> yeah it's like critical <laughs> it's like if i can't take money out of this then it's pretty much worth nothing um and the other thing i don't like about it is there's no real value i mean okay in the same way that like people criticize the stock market because anymore it feels like it's all built around hype right there's like it's not 
it should be tied to your financials and your reporting, but like Tesla's the classic case study of like, they have shit financials. Um, but you know, they have great vision and like, there's a lot of hype around Tesla. So their stock price just kept going up and up and up. And then it became like, well, what's the stock market about? Is it about just hype? I mean, it's, it's all speculation anyway, but in this case, it's like these creators, it is true. It's truly just like, a. um, I'm just trying to sell it to the next person who thinks it's going to be worth more. It's just this kind of like, I don't want to call it a Ponzi scheme, but you're basically just trying to like always sell up and buy low. Uh, and it's not necessarily based on anything like tangible. It's just like a person's clout. And how do you, like, how do you put a value on that? Right. So are you like, like people who invest in this or people who are throwing money at this? Like, let's say, let's say Keith coin, right? Yeah. And let's say, can I personally buy Keith coin and will that yes. make the value of your Keith coin go up? That's my understanding. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So it's um, basically just like who, people buying into other people hedging on the fact that that person is going to do something really cool in the and, entrepreneurial and, scene and like get some credibility or publicity. Exactly. So the idea would be, it's two things, which is, this is maybe this is a better way to explain why I don't like it. It doesn't necessarily matter if I do something cool or not. It only matters if my clout coin goes up, right? So you only make money if more people buy in. And that's where I feel like uh, is the breakdown in like the practicality of it is for me, right? So I could go on and do amazing things, but if nobody's actually buying my coin, you don't reap any of that benefit. I mean, I guess neither do I in, in the bit clout space. Um, so it is truly all based off of. Um, another person coming in and betting that I'm going to go up. Right. It's like, everybody's just betting on the next person coming in. Um, in a lot of ways, it's kind of how markets work, but, um, and I'm not an expert on any of it, but, uh, uh, to me, it, it, that's where I have a hard time grappling with like the idea of it. Now you could make the argument and some people have said they're going to do this. Uh, once you own a, a piece of Keeve coin, um, I could now have like shareholder meetings where you get exclusive access to certain things, right? If you are a, a, a person who owns this much of my coin, maybe I send you exclusive content or you get one-on-one -on -one meetings or I send you updates, things like that, that you wouldn't otherwise get. But at that point, it just becomes like, well, kind of like a better version of Patreon, right? It's like this exclusive community, um, but there is incentive to get in early and there's this like really cool pricing mechanism, which is you know, this like coin ticker. Anyway, I thought it was fascinating. I just created my account today because I've been wanting to get in and I just couldn't because I'm not, not famous by any means. Um, <laughs> so I've been playing around with it. And it's pretty interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. You're not famous yet, but you're rolling out this brainstorms podcast. Yeah. Trying to, trying to get my own, trying to get Keeve coin pumped up. Um, <laughs> so Anyway, I, I, it's, it's in the same vein of this like paid community, like solopreneurship, like creator economy stuff that uh, it seems really interesting. Some people have made some, well, on paper have made some good money uh, that got in super early. Because uh, like once somebody signs up for the platform, uh, their coin's going to be worth like little to nothing. Um, but if you know the person, you're like, oh shit, you're like pseudo famous. I'm just going to buy super early and then it just sort of skyrockets up um, quickly. So there's a, a first mover advantage for sure. Yeah. And, and it is super interesting as you're thinking about, or you bring up the point of like building a community with this thing, because essentially like when you build an online community, like whoever's, whoever's kind of like the community lead, if you yeah. want to call it on that, it, it's kind of the, the, the community gets built as a reflection of that person. Right. And it's like, I mean like that's, that's, I literally, basically took like what I personally need as an entrepreneur. Like I need social accountability. And if I publicly state my goals to somebody else or to a group of other people, like I even saw it in this last two weeks, Brent, like my first goal was to improve the, the, mem the HQ member experience for that two week sprint. And like a weekend, like we had projects to do inside the, the space at green spaces and my brain completely shifted from like HQ to another one of my businesses. Exactly. And then rolling into Monday, I was like, oh, this is, this is uh, like where I need to be focusing my time. But like having that social accountability to like come back to that goal that we stated publicly kept me coming back to the HQ 
for that few weeks. And so I, I bring this up because I think it's like, as you're talking about, what do you call it? Is it called BitClout? BitClout, yeah. BitClout. Yeah, as you're talking about something like that, like, I mean, when you're thinking about building an online community, like, you got to think through all these different tools. Like, what am I going to use? Right. How's it going to be? And so I think there could be maybe some opportunity with this because it's like, if somebody's essentially buying your coin, and like you said, like the shareholder meetings or like offer exclusive content for people who buy X amount, then essentially that is like somebody buying into like a membership community. So I can see there being some correlation there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I'm excited to see what happens with it. And if it takes off, um, the like other piece of it is, uh, it's mostly going to be the rich people getting basically more rich off of it, but at least you get to own a piece of it and take that journey with them. Right. Um, so like in the same way that, uh, an IPO makes a company even more valuable. Um, at least you get a share in that value in some capacity. So that's a cool way to support people um, on, on a, I guess, more personal level. So uh, anyway, I thought that one was cool. Um, do you want to jump into some ideas? Uh, I'm happy to go first or you can go first. Uh, either is cool with me. Yeah, let's, let's jump into ideas. Go first. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll shoot out one that I talked about last week that I wish I would have expanded on and I might still do it, but it's hard when you like talk about an idea to then like, if I don't want to recycle content, right? But it's one that I've been thinking about a lot and I really do like it. Are you familiar with a company called Storyworth? I don't know why you would be. Um, it's relatively popular, but, uh, I just got like hit with a Facebook ad from it one day and looked into it and I was like, Oh, this is a really cool business model. So basically what they do, this is story worth now. They, they're branding themselves as a way to capture stories from your parents and grandparents that you'd never get otherwise. Right. So it's sort of playing on this idea of when you get older, you're probably more mature and you're like, "Ah, my parents were kids once too. And they did all sorts of stupid shit, but like you might not have the ability to like ask them all the questions that you wish you did and like get the life advice that you know that they have. Um, just because, you know, for whatever reason, life's hard, you move away, all of those things, right? So what StoryWorth does is, and this is my understanding of the model, over the course of, call it like six to 12 months, every single week they send your parent or your grandparent a question that is like uh, intentional about pulling like some of their life stories from them. And in that email that they send out, like here's the question, the uh, parent or grandparent replies with a story of their own of like, you know, what was your favorite childhood memory or what was a time that you really messed up and regretted it and you wish you could like go back and fix something like that. Um, and then what it does with all of these stories is it puts them in a book, binds it, and then uh, you've got this nice like coffee table thing, right? That's a cool output. And I think the product is awesome. But the thing that's most interesting is uh, it, it, in my opinion, it's a product that helps you get to know like your parent or grandparent even better than you already did um, in a more intentional way, right? It's like this, this, this is pulling out stories that I probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Um, and now I feel like I know you, right? Like I know my, who my parent is as like a holistic person, not just like, you know, my parent, right? Uh, okay. So that's story worth. Here's the idea. Um, I think there should be a story worth for couples. And the genesis of this was, have you ever played the game uh, 36 Questions to Fall in Love? Um, I have not. It's, it's a pretty, I, I think it's pretty popular. Uh, and I was talking to my girlfriend about it and we did it. And it was pretty fun. So the general gist of it is, and I, and I, I, I might feel like I'm all over the place, but I promise we'll loop back together. Um, this 36 questions, uh, uh, they sort of go from super easy questions to like really deep questions by the end of it. And it takes about two hours to get through. So basically you have these 36 questions. I ask my partner, they ask me, and then we both give our answers, you know, uh, uh, sequentially. And throughout the game, you're like learning more about your partner. And it's like sort of unsurfacing these things that you probably wouldn't have known. Now for us, what was hard is that we needed to a make dedicated time to do that. And like, it was sort of like uncomfortable to get started because you knew once you started it, it's like, we got to finish this. And it's like, 
we kind of got to prepare for like some potentially heavy stuff, right? It's just like, you know, uh, it gets, it gets into those places. What would be awesome though, is if they took the same concept of story worth and like shelled out those questions over the course of like a few weeks or a few months. Um, and this gave us something to like talk about, uh, with the significant other or read as a way to not only build our relationship, but keep the intimacy and, um, like desire to want to learn more about your partner, like alive, right? Not to say that, you know, I think that it's human nature to sort of get in a routine and get comfortable with your partner. And you sometimes just sort of lose what, uh, what otherwise was super fun in the early stages. I think this would be an incredible way to like give you guys something to talk about and also connect on in a deeper way. So anyway, that's the idea is take that story worth model and do it for couples where weekly you get asked questions, you respond with answers. You don't necessarily need to have the book as the output. I mean, that's like cool to me. The most valuable piece is the extraction of information from one another and sharing it uh, with each other in a meaningful way. So anyway, yeah, that's super interesting. Like how, I mean, like first step in that seems like, seems like you could, I don't know, like first thoughts on that. Like, could you use, GPT three to like mm -hmm. formulate some of these random questions or are you saying like you just come up with like a template of questions that come? That I think, I think you could probably just take the 36 questions cause I don't think there's anything proprietary about that. There's a bunch of sites that have these questions um, uh, or form your own, right? Like you have a bank of 50 questions. Maybe it's like a hundred questions. Yeah. I think that's what story worth does, right? They've just got these templated questions. You can write your own as well with story worth. Um, but then just send it out as a type form, right? Like every week, yeah. here's a question you respond. And then that type form gets sent to the other person. Um, and I think that would be really, really nice, right? It's going to be for a certain type of couple, I think for sure. But, um, it would be cool to have that touch point with my significant other on, on a weekly basis and not, and not feel like it's forced, right? Cause sometimes it's hard to like, you're both doing things and like, ah, I don't really want to have this conversation right now. Um, so it gives you an opportunity to do it whenever you're ready. Um, and it gives you a talking point just to like, I don't know, have some of those moments. I'm not a very emotional person, so it's hard for me to break into that. And this feels like my ease into like, let's talk about our feelings and talk about things that, you know, we wouldn't otherwise talk about. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, it's like, I feel like we're just living in an age where like, so many people our age are just so engulfed in this work culture, right? Like mm -hmm. let's just work, work, work and 100%. let's hustle right now. And so it's like the time that, that we do allocate towards, you know, spending time with the significant other. It's just like, how can you make that like the most meaningful time possible rather than just like, kind of just like sitting there asking like how, you, how your day was or how your week was on a Friday right. night, date, right? It would be really interesting to, to implement that. I I'm curious to hear like what, Sorry. Yeah. No, I was just curious to hear like what some of those questions might be. Yeah, if you I don't know. I'd have to look. Um, let's look it up. 36 questions to fall. Or 36 questions, yeah, to fall in love. Um, while I'm looking this up, I think it would be super easy to test. Um, and I also love the value proposition around it, right? It's like, um, to me, the offer is like connect with your partner on a more deep level and like spark intimacy in a way that you hadn't. And people spend a lot of money on this kind of stuff, right? Where it's like building relationships uh, uh, and you could test this with 10 people, I think relatively easy, right? Charge them 50 bucks, a hundred bucks to do it. Um, which might not seem like a lot, but, it, but I think if you look at this as like, what is the value of this? Not what's the product you're sending. Um, that might make a lot of sense. I would probably test it out and just see how it goes and then go from there. Okay. So here are some of the questions. Um, I'm just going to, in no particular order, just sort of pick a few. So, uh, here's like an easy one. What would constitute a perfect day for you? Uh, another one is, uh, for what in your life do you feel most grateful? Okay. So these are all like the, the like layup ones. Um, name three things you and your partner appear to have in common, right? Okay. So these ones are easier. So then you, as you go deeper, um, What's your most terrible memory? Uh, what roles do love and affection play in your life? Uh, how do you feel about your relationship with your mother? So these are a little bit deeper. And then we get into the set three, which is like, you know, uh, uh, 
even deeper. So like share a personal problem and ask your partner's advice on how he or she might handle it. Also ask your partner to reflect back uh, to you how you seem to be feeling about the problem you've chosen. Uh, if you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you most regret not having told someone? Why have you not told them yet? See, so it gets like, and the idea is you ease into these hard questions um, through like uh, these easy ones, right? So the, the model might have to be adapted a little bit because I think if you just got an email like this, you're like, fuck, like, I don't know. Like, like it throws you, right? Um, so that might be one of the challenges. So anyway, that's the, uh, this is the fun, fun idea um, around uh, uh, a different way to sort of like connect with a partner. Yeah. And I mean, I think that like that can be rolled out super easy, mm-hmm. like sign up form. Dude, you can test it in a week. Like, yeah. Automation. Zapier. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're, you're spun up and ready to go. Yeah, um, absolutely. Cool. All right. Uh, you want to go next? Yeah. I mean, I, I've got a couple. Um, and so we can spend as much or as little time on them as possible. I think like top of mind, I guess I've sort of like kept a backlog of, of ideas that I have. And like, there are certain times where I'm, I feel like I just come up with ideas all the time. And then there are certain times like the time I'm in right now where it's like, all right, I'm pulling these businesses out of COVID and I'm like super operational focus. So I kind of went back to some of like my backlogged ideas, but like one I had not long ago, I guess it was last year whenever I created my blog, it was like, I personally seem to get like, do my best thinking either when I'm driving or when I'm like hiking, Yep, just something kind of like doing mindless things. And I often like wear my AirPods when I'm driving. Mm-hmm. And so I, like past couple of years, I've driven down from winter park to Denver and, and vice versa. So I had quite a bit of windshield time. And as I was creating that blog, I was like, it'd be sweet if, if I just could tap double tap my AirPods and say, Hey Siri, start, start a blog and oh, yeah. it automatically record and basically transcribe everything that I just brain dumped that would be um, interesting into like some sort of web app that just mm-hmm. kept a log of it. That's cool. Uh, is that not a thing? Is there, is there, if you looked, I looked at the time, I think this was like a year ago. I haven't looked recently. And, and even if it is like, I've never heard of it either, but I, I love that. Cause I'm in the same boat um, to, to sort of like add to that. I tend to articulate my ideas better when I'm just talking out, like just talking uh, than I do if I try to like take all of my thoughts that I would otherwise just articulate verbally and put them on paper. Um, it just gets messy because I'm like, I, that doesn't sound quite right. But it's like, but if I said it, it would sound fine. Um, point being, I would love to just like be able to do that, right? It's like, oh, I have this idea. How do I, like, rather than me to take out my notepad or whatever, right? Just like say the thing, catalog it somewhere, um, ideally in a place that is easy to then transfer to a blog or maybe it's already in blog form. That's cool. Yeah, and I mean, I think like with, everything advancing as fast as it is like there could be some integrations with Webflow long-term to like right easily. I mean, transcription software is getting better and better. Yep. Like grain.co. I don't know if you've used that tool yet. It's no. super interesting. Is it a transcription um, tool? Well, it's one, a transcription tool, but it's, it's two. It's like when you're doing like customer discovery interviews and I've used this recently for the HQ stuff, but like, obviously you just tell oh, people wait. that like, Hey, I've seen this. It, it's, it's been awesome. Cause it's like when you're trying to get like testimonials or reviews or any sort of like product feedback on that's what you right. want. You're using on the HQ side. I think that's how I found it. Cause I was like, how did you do these testimonials are cool. Yeah. 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 And so it's just like, Hey, I'm and then like, I come from a sports background. So like whenever I was playing college football, like we studied film so much yep. and I've sort of like tried to take the same approach of business of like, all right, if I can just really deeply intently listen to what my customers want, 
and then go back and study that and listen to it over and over again, then I'm going to be more in tune with what products are going to resonate or what type of offer or what type of language is going to resonate. Yeah. And so like, I would just get on calls with people. This was like, this was like after our, our eight week sprint that you and I did together. Yep. Yep. And I just told people like, Hey, I really want to learn about you and like, like what, uh, yeah, sort of like your feedback on this. And I'm going to record this because like, I yeah. want to treat this like game film. And then like, right. if there are any good little nuggets that come out of it, like I might use them as a testimonial as well. Um, but grain, it integrates with zoom and it's like a little pop-up that comes up. And when you're personally recording, you can literally just click like this star button and it will, it will uh, mark where it's at in the recording. So it will record nice. everything. It will send it over to grain. When you go into the grain dashboard, it will just be like, here's your recording. Here's where you click star at these different times. So you don't have to like take notes in the middle of while somebody's talking. You just kind of star the, the areas that you know you want to go back to. Yep. That's super smart. Um, Anyways, that was like a tangent. The, their transcription is actually really well. It actually trans, transcribes everything too. And I've noticed how, how good that, that is getting. So I think it would be really easy to like, I mean, for, you know, the, the right engineer to build that. Yeah. I think that'd be, something. that would be super cool. Um, I'm, I'm also interested in like the, cause I mean, AirPods are becoming super popular. Uh, I mean, I don't know any of the stats around them, but just in my own life, I've seen more and more people like, like AirPods are the way they go. Um, so any app that's built off of this like audio ecosystem and the AirPod movement, uh, I think has legs, uh, especially for people who are in like the tech space who like to, it feels like that would be the target demo. Um, I like it. I'm into it. Cool. Okay. That was a good one. Um, what are we at time wise? I want to make sure we don't go too long. I think we still got enough time for probably two more. Um, yeah. If you have any other good ones, I, you can keep rolling. Otherwise, I can, I can take it. Dude, I, I think from a high-level standpoint, yeah. in my mind, where I see opportunity, and you and I talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago on the Clubhouse deal, yep. but service-based businesses right now, like young entrepreneurs who just want to make money. Totally. Like There are so many people trying to retire right now and pretty much just hand over their business. Yeah. Maybe it's a couple hundred grand, but like, you got to think about it. Like if you're going to go buy a home in Denver right now, you're minimum like five, 600 grand. Yep. So why not look at taking, going and getting a loan on four to 600 grand, buying a business that you can net, you know, hundred to 200 K a year. So I think there's massive opportunity in that. And we, we talked about that as well, where I also think that there's opportunity and two other things that I'm going to touch on here is one, I'm really interested in, like, I'm just very, very inspired by Yvonne Chouinard, the founder of, of Patagonia. Oh yeah. And yeah. How he runs business. Um, it's based on like the three P principle. It's like profit people and planet. Um, yep. And so I think anything that you can take right now and make it either compostable or more sustainable Yep. Um, is a massive opportunity. And, and I'll give you one example. What I'm looking at right now, I've considered spinning up, my business partner and I have considered spinning up a, a, a new coffee model for the Denver operation. And we want to build it from the ground up is like 100, like with the, with the principle of like building as sustainable of a coffee company as we can. Yep. When you get coffee bags, the, the materials yep. are compostable but there's little gas valves in there that are still used with plastic and there's like zippers on the back. Right. They're still plastic. So in order to compost that, you've got to cut it out. So the uh, consumer has to do some work there. So right. I think there's a massive opportunity right now. If for any sort of uh, engineer or an inventor to, to get creative with some sort of compostable material yep. to just manufacture those little pieces and then go and sell that to for uh, sure to uh, companies who manufacture coffee bags. 
yeah, it's, it, I love there that. has to be a way to figure that out. So that's like one kind of one example of, of how to take something that's not sustainable and, and try to try to figure out a material to use there. And yep. then the last thing that I would say is that it, there are, given the, given the times that we're living in in COVID, there's so many spaces coming on the market right now where businesses are going out of business. Yep. So real estate developers and landlords are left with trying to lease out spaces in an unideal time. So right. I will just say that there is massive opportunity there if you can figure out a way to structure deals with landlords. And personally, I, I'm in the co-working business, so I see massive opportunity for you know, totally. creating this like new co-working slash coffee shop model to where you partner with landlords and say, hey, you're either gonna let your space sit empty right now or we'll structure a revenue share deal with you. Right. So those are those are like kind of the three high level topics where I see like a ton of opportunity right now. Yeah, I think those are great. So love the packaging one. Um, there's a I I would say he's an acquaintance at best, but a guy that I kind of know. He did something similar in the cannabis industry. I don't know all the mechanics of it, but basically, the packaging in its current state was like letting a lot of light in or something. It was uh, bad at keeping the product that was within the packaging um, safe from outside environmental things. That's the, the the closest thing I can come to what it was. And he just created a better package that I think it was mostly for like blocking out like UV rays and things like that. That I guess keeps the weed higher quality. Um, me crushing it, right? Because now all of the um, uh, cannabis distributors are like, oh, we'll just use this. Like, there's no reason to use the other thing. Um, similar idea with the coffee, right? I'm sure there's a ton of uh, coffee brands who are, who are gonna like triple down on this uh, eco-friendly. Uh, uh, and if, if that's their thing, then it's a no-brainer for them to buy completely compostable uh, bags, right? Um, or, you know, retrofit these things on or however it works to get the bags to be that way. Uh, and then also with the buying business thing, I've been super interested in it as well. Like, um, there's a guy I follow on Twitter. I'll give him a quick shout out. Uh, I think he's relatively popular. His name's Xavier. Uh, I'm not going to be able to, uh, Helgenson, H E L G E S E N. Um, so Xavier Helgenson. Um, he tweets a ton about, uh, buying businesses and he had this huge tweet thread about basically the economics of buying a business and how it makes so much sense, uh, to where, to your point, like you purchase this business, you get a loan. And even now with, and if you're in the U S you can get really favorable rates uh, because they're trying to highly encourage it. And then within two years, you use the cash flow of the business to pay off the loan. And you now have this like potentially million, multi-million dollar asset that like, it's now yours. Um, and you just had to hustle for a couple years. It's like a no brainer. Um, you just need to be willing to like get into it, take the risk and, you know, hustle a little bit, but. Dude, and where did that, where the most opportunity is, I think for millennials right, right. now it is stepping into a business that is being ran off of a yellow notepad. Yep. Like there are so many businesses where they still print out invoices and literally mail invoices to their customers. Do you realize how long that increases like the, the time that you get paid when right. you can literally send them a link one time, set yep. them up on auto pay and collect your money month over month. Like there are so many baby boomers out there who are still running their business because they don't want to change. Right. And that's why I think it's a massive opportunity. One, because the businesses are going to be for sale, but two, you can apply these little, just little minute forms of automation that help right. the business run so much smoother and collect its cash quicker um, to increase profitability. And, or I, I, I guess it would be more like increase operating cash right. you know, to re reinvest back in marketing and things like that, which ultimately increase ideally long-term profitability. So, but that's why I think there's, and if you know how to use Zapier, like you can automate right, so everything. many things with a small business, like yeah. that, that aren't being automated. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, I totally agree. So I think it's a huge, 
huge opportunity as well. Um, cool. I'll maybe throw out one more idea. <clears throat> uh, and then we can, we can call it because I think we're almost at an hour. Um, okay. So I talked to another guy about this on a podcast. I don't think he's going to do it. Um, his name's Jacob Greenfield. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. Super great guy. Um, but what he built was uh, a product called productexplorer.io. Let me make sure it's right. Yeah, I just connected with Jacob actually too. Yeah, he's week. super cool. Yeah, he's super um, cool. Yeah, productexplorer.io. Um, I've been chatting with him a bit and, and really smart guy. So he built this thing and basically what it is, it's a database of all the product hunt ideas that have launched and then some, some metadata around those. Like, are they live? Are they active? How many upvotes do they get? Some like descriptions, things like that. Um, I told him, I was like, dude, you should just make a newsletter out of this. And every week you send your top three dead product hunt launches out. And this is an opportunity for somebody to either swoop in, buy this business because whoever worked on it probably isn't working on it anymore or B just go spin up a, a competitor or, you know, the, the, the V2 of this thing and actually run with it. Um, with the, the, the underlying rationale being it probably got traction on product hunt. So there's a market for it, but most likely the person either didn't have the time or the ability to market it properly post launch, um, and keep it going. Right. And I think the database has like, I'm, I'm kind of might be pulling this number out of my ass, but I thought it was like 20,000 or something. Um, projects on there. So you would have a ton of content to just keep, uh, uh, keep the newsletter going. But if you could just do that and, and you could do it in any form fashion that you want, but uh, I think a newsletter would be cool because it gives you an opportunity to give commentary on why you think it's a good opportunity, potentially how you would pull it off. Um, if you were to run with it, uh, that would be a very interesting, uh, niche around like micro acquisitions that I think are super hot right now, especially in the internet space. Um, so that was an idea that I had when you were talking about buying a business. Uh, this isn't buying like a service-based business. This is buying like an online product and then doing it better. Uh, but this could be like the sell pickaxes to miners type idea, right? Like it was support them in finding the right businesses and then they can go make the investment and buy the business themselves. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's super interesting user. I, I would totally sign up for that. Right. Just to, just to see. And then, um, then you easily, well, I don't know. I think there's a ton of ways you could monetize that newsletter. Um, if you have a captive audience who you know are interested in like either spinning up existing businesses or buying small businesses, uh, well, like I guess not small businesses, but like uh, these internet products, um, that that would be a very lucrative audience to build a niche around. So, um, and, and he did all the hard work with Product Explorer of like aggregating the data. You just need to write about it. Um, so anyway, uh, that is another cool opportunity that I see, uh, existing in like the newsletter space. Yeah. So he's not going to write about that. Dude, I, I talked to him like over a month ago, maybe two months ago about it. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I was like, you totally should. Um, I think he put it on the podcast. Maybe he didn't, but it's two months later. He started a new newsletter, uh, endeavor, which I think is super cool. Um, so my assumption is that that ship has sailed and now the idea is free game. That's, that's my MO. It's like, listen, man, you had your window of opportunity. Now I'm sharing it with the world. Um, but, uh, I think that would be a really fun project, um, for somebody who wants to write a newsletter and just get into that game. Uh, there, I, am certain that could be successful. Yeah. And, and it's as somebody who's bought a business before, like I, I see so many benefits in like just finding something that already has traction. Like right. it, so many times, like in entrepreneurship, like the, yes, it's exciting to like spin up new ideas and think that like nobody else has had this idea before and like come up with this revolutionary thing. But like when you really look at the statistics behind like people who actually come up with a revolutionary idea and then turn it into a massively profitable business. It is very, very, very small. Oh, so I think if you're just looking to, to have some success as an entrepreneur, like buying a business is in my opinion, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything about my journey because like in order, in order to just like learn 
some very specific things about running and operating a business, like you, you, you sort of need to have like a customer base. And so like, if you're right. starting from scratch, like it takes a long time to get there. So like buying a business, it's like, all right, I'm buying an existing customer base. It, it has like, you know, years of SEO in place, things like that. Now I just need to like tweak some things or like automate some things here and there. But then you really get to understand like what it's like to actually run a business behind the scenes. Like you're dealing with customer support, right? You're, you're yep. dealing with how to do your books effectively, you know, how to put the right people in place to help you with the right things. So it doesn't, doesn't really matter like what type of business you buy. I think they all kind of bring their own uh, things that you don't see on the front end that you have I to do on the back end. I completely agree. I mean, the way that, so the way that I think about it, and this is maybe a controversial thought. I just feel like this doesn't get talked about enough is that like, I'm going to try to find the right words to say this. Uh, I, w- I want to say like, not all ideas are equal, but it's not quite that. It's like, there are levels of complexity to ideas that, or businesses, maybe that's a better way to put it, um, in terms of like being able to start something from scratch and pull it off, that uh, it's sort of a tough pill to swallow for early stage entrepreneurs. Like for most people, I'm like, dude, don't don't even start with like a SaaS. Like that's just hard. Um, but but on, the, on, on like the service level, you're like, well, I, I'm just starting a business. I'm starting out. I found a problem. Here's the solution. Like totally, that's like lean startup all in on that. But if you've never done anything before, like a SaaS is super hard. You have to do all of the things that uh, make a SaaS great at the same time and take it from zero to one, right? Uh, I think I've shared this article with you. I don't know that I've talked about it ever publicly. Um, I think it's called The Ladders of Wealth Creation by Nathan Berry. And to me, that perfectly articulated like the levels of entrepreneurship um, and understanding and recognizing like where are you at with your skill set uh, and knowing that like, hey, if I'm at a three and I'm trying to pull off an idea that's a six, it's going to be hard. And it's like, it's doable. It's not impossible, but you're going to have a much harder time doing that because you have to learn skills that you've never done before and not only like understand how to do them, but do them well enough to like make the business thrive. Not just like, I can do this thing. Uh, you do it at such a level that it's, you're pulling it off. Um, I say all of that. To, to sort of come to your point of like, when you just buy something, you've got the playbook at least, right? Where you don't necessarily need to learn all of the shit from scratch. You've got like the operating manual. You likely got the seller to like walk you through exactly how this works. And you've got a, a baseline that you can hit. So then you just need to optimize from there. You don't need to go from zero to wherever they're at. It's just going from where they're at to the next level. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I too am incredibly fascinated with buying a business. I think I'm going to do it at some point in my life. I just need to like make more money uh, to make that happen. But um, that day will come. So, dude, there, yeah, like like I think whenever you look at this entrepreneurial game as a long term game, mm-hmm. as opposed to like at least whenever I was like, before I got into entrepreneurship, like I always just wanted to get into entrepreneurship because it's like you read the stories about the quote unquote overnight successes. And yeah, it's fun to read about, right. It's kind of like whenever you're growing up, like if you're a sports fan, like you read about the people or LeBron James, right. He comes straight out of high school and goes in. But like the the reality is, is you just have to be realistic with yourself and you have to humble yourself and know that like, that's not the majority. And so it's like the way I'm approaching entrepreneurship now is like, I am in this game for the rest of my life. And all I need to do today is just to learn something new or better my skills today. I don't need to exit a business for, you know, $20 million tomorrow. It's like, what would you do with your time then? Like, where's the challenge or where's the fun, right? The, yep. the, the, the fulfillment comes from, or I'm starting to like understand that the fulfillment comes from the process. And I think the process is this long-term journey of learning how to effectively build businesses. Right. And yeah, but personally, I think, I think buying a business can help you kind of like jumpstart those things or to your point with the ladders of wealth creation article, like just doing some consulting can teach right. you so much about just like effectively managing invoices or like collecting 
outstanding invoice. Like those right. little things that you don't see from the outside. It's like that takes time that you don't ever really like plan in your day. Yeah. It's these things that seem so straightforward that yeah. it's like when you get into it, it's like, yeah, there's a way to do it. But if I've never done it before, there's still a learning curve, right? I'm like, I have to figure out the best way to do this thing. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I agree with you. It's like buying a business almost feels like the shortcut. Um, d don't get me wrong. I think it's, I, I wouldn't know you would have a better perspective on this, but I imagine it's still incredibly difficult and it's not like uh, a walk in the park, but um, I think having something that uh, you sort of get this like jumping off point uh, that feels, that feels like a, an enticing offer to me. Yeah. It's definitely not a walk in the park. That's right. for sure. But I think my point is that you jump right into getting an understanding of multiple different facets of actually running a business. Whereas like that article. Yeah. And I would recommend people to go read that uh, if you haven't yet, because that was a fantastic way to, to just kind of like break it down. Yeah. I could put it in the notes of the show too. I should do that. I'll, I'll make a note of that. Um, and... But yeah, when you start thinking about entrepreneurship as a long-term game, it's just a learning process. And it's like, what can I do to get better today? Or what can I learn today? And then how is that going to prepare me for the future? Right. No, that's incredible, man. Um, cool. I think it's a good place to, to wrap it up. I think we're right about an hour or two. Um, well, Austin, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm most active on Twitter normally. Nice. And that's uh, at Austin Riley Gray, A-U-S-T-I-N-R-A-L-E-Y-G-R-A-Y. And then uh, for the HQ, is it, uh, what is it? The HQ.co? Yeah, the HQ.co. Cool. Yeah, so yeah, we run, we run um, two-week sprints with two weeks off in between. So every month we'll be running two-week growth sprint. You publicly share your goals with a group. I think we had like 25 people in the first cohort. Um, we'll be doing the next one starting on, let me see what the date is here. Should be on April 12th is when we're starting the next one. Nice. Okay. April 12th. Uh, and that's the hq.co. Dope. Well, yeah, man. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Keevan.